from the Center for European Reform. You're listening to an audio recording from a recent CR event. If for some reason you couldn't be there, you can catch up now. Enjoy. Be very welcome to the Spanish Embassy to celebrate the birthday, 20th birthday of CAR. Uh, I was a little bit surprised when Charles uh, contacted me because I, I didn't know that think tanks celebrated birthdays. No? I thought this, uh, this in Spanish, Spain, the think tanks are a very tiresome thing. No? But here, of course, we, we share this, this uh, gusto for fiesta. Uh, with the British, I understand that even the think tanks have parties, so uh, they are very much welcome to the Spanish embassy, which is a very good place for a fiesta, and with a wonderful garden, Spanish weather, Spanish wine, blah, 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 all that stuff. But now, speaking seriously, I have uh, the, the main reason is because I, I know what you have uh, done uh, from the beginning of uh, 20 years, and, and I always... Uh, Uh, very much, and I say, say that very, very openly. Uh, I always share very much your values, which is not uh, for a diplomat to say that in public is not obvious. No? But as I'm an old one, I can say that I share your values and I admire you, the work uh, you have done. So uh, certainly, congratulations and thank you very much. I think, in, on behalf of many of the ones who have been involved in U European. British affairs, because you have done something that is not obvious, which is to, to find the balance between Britishness, uh, European, and, uh, and reform, no? uh, uh, and Europe. <laughs> this, uh, this uh, it's, it's complicated, but uh, in a certain sense, it's, uh, it's like Don Quixote de la Mancha. No? <laughs> and, you, and you look like a little bit Don Quixote. <laughs> Peter, Peter O'Toole did a wonderful paper on Don Quixote, and you are a little bit like Don Quixote, so congratulations, congratulations indeed, and uh, uh, happy birthday, and, and I say, and many more to come, no? This is the yes. British way to say, no? So, and uh, of course you are going to present uh, Secretary of State Lidington, but uh, I have the permission to, to f from him to tell that, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago, uh, it was a Thursday, Thursday before Czechos. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, presenting him. My duty was to present him, to say nice thing, because he was the guest speaker in a gala dinner of the Spanish Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and it was the Thursday before Czechos. Uh, we had bet that he was not going to come. <laughs> I bet in favor. I won. And I saw him, uh, I would say, uh, clear, convinced, and determined. Two weeks ago. These two weeks have been, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Hectic. <laughs> uh, anyway, and I continue to see him, I'm sure, determined, and with a wonderful face. I don't know if it's because you are coming to holidays to Spain or why, <laughs> but I feel you. I see you absolutely relaxed. So it's a great pleasure, and this is, of course, thanks to the CIA that you are here, and I hope you will enjoy very much this evening here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carlos, and thank you for all of you coming to celebrate our 20th birthday. 
Um, just a couple of words of thanks before I say a few very brief remarks. Um, thanks to our board for supporting us. Thanks to our corporate members for helping us and supporting us. Thanks to my colleagues for producing extremely good work for 20 years. Is, is, is John Kerr here? Yes. Oh, John, John, thanks to John for being such a helpful, helpful chair. And, and also to his predecessor, Nick Butler, who isn't here because he's on holiday, but Nick Butler, and, who invented the CR with David Miliband, and John Kerr have been fantastic guides and have given me so much help. Of course, in 20 years, the challenges facing us have changed a little. In the early years, it was, will Britain join the euro? How quickly the EU will enlarge? Will Russia become democratic? Will China become more liberal? What new institutions can we have for transatlantic relations? And now we're, now we're fighting to defend the Western values of the open society, rule of law, multilateralism, free trade, migration, and so on. Robert Cooper isn't here, he's on holiday, but he did write a very important essay about 25 years ago, The Postmodern State. In that essay, he said it's fine to be postmodern in Europe and believe in multilateralism and pooling sovereignty. The trouble is there's a big bad jungle out there beyond Europe. And as Roberts was right, I had a lot of foresight, but basically in the last 20 years, that jungle has grown and become more threatening. What we have to do, why we need the EU is to fight for those Western values, and we need the CR to help fight for them too. Um, we are changing and evolving at the CR. We have a Brussels office since last year. We have a Berlin office opening later this year. And I will make two brief predictions about the, the EU and the UK. On Brexit, I have no idea what will happen, but, I, uh, but I, have a, I have a feeling that the existing party structures are becoming redundant, and I am having dreams about 1846 and 1931 and sort of national governments and parties splitting irrevocably. I think that sort of thing may happen in the next few years. It's just a feeling. But my feelings are sometimes right. I predicted Brexit about 15 years ago. Uh, my other prediction is that Macron's vision for a more differentiated EU with lots of countries doing different things rather than everybody doing the same thing has got to be the future. If the EU has a future, it must be flexible and not force everybody into the same boxes. And although that's, that is not a view currently held in Brussels or indeed in the Chancellor in Berlin, I think in the long run, some of Macron's vision will become true. Uh, and very finally, my last point is, why did I invite David Liddington to speak here tonight? <laughs> well, uh, when I was a student, I used to watch Liddington debating at the Cambridge Union. He was a very important person debating with people like Adrian Mitchell and Adair Turner, Andrew Mitchell and Adair Turner. Uh, and I didn't actually know him then. I got to know him when he became Europe Minister. He was, of course, the longest-serving Europe Minister since the fall of the Hittite Empire. Um, and he did a fantastic job as Europe Minister. But I asked him tonight, because he's actually very similar to the CER, David is a serious, thoughtful politician who believes in evidence-based policymaking, and he's sober. And there are probably flashier... <laughs> there are flashier politicians than David, and there are flashier think tanks at the CR, but David and I think in very similar ways, and he is a good symbol for what the CR has been doing, I think. So we've had a good 20 years. We have a very challenging next 20 years, but there is a need for us. So thank you very much, David, and wish us well for the next 20 years. Over to you. Ambassador, thank you for your, your hospitality uh, this evening. Um, I mean, I think that, that that introduction, if I may say so, Charles, and particularly the, the confident assertion that uh, uh, you uh, and I think uh, along very similar lines has probably ensured my exclusion from the European uh, uh, the, the research, research, research group's Christmas card list for all time. Um, the, the WhatsApp messages are probably already in circulation. Um, and that is just something I shall have to bear. 
Um, the, uh, and I do sometimes describe my, my job in government as being the man who stands on the stage spinning plates on the end of poles. And every now and then the Prime Minister passes me another plate and says, David, can you get this one going as well? I do confess that in recent weeks I have felt that um, you know, the number of poles is, is getting rather, rather large, but we, we, we battle on. Um, and I, I, I was very willing to accept Charles' invitation tonight because I, I do think that the CER under Charles's leadership with, I suppose, people like um, Simon Tilford as his, the, the Sancho Panza to, to, to his Don Quixote, um, uh, have made and continue to make an incredibly valuable and constructive contribution to informed debate in this country and more widely across Europe about the future of our continent. Um, and I'd like to congratulate the CER on its 20 years, and it's fitting that this celebration should also have been marked this week uh, by the award um, to the CER by Prospect magazine of, of its title of um, the, you know, the, the, the top think tank uh, of the year for, for 2018. <laughs> I suspect Charles would be the first to say that that is a team effort, but um, you know, in my experience, um, teams are successful when they have good leadership, uh, and so I think Charles should not uh, shy away from uh, his share of the credit for that award and the reputation that the CER has established over the years. And I think what has been special about the CER's contribution is that is, is two things. First of all, uh, it is a think tank that has moved with the times and moved as the debates within and about Europe have changed over the years in the way that Charles described the issues which were top of the agenda when this think tank was founded 20 years ago are different from those that preoccupy us today. And second, I think that the CER has a particular skill in looking both at institutions and the mechanisms of government and of multilateral cooperation, but at the same time looking with a clear eye and with understanding at the realities of politics and the political currents that are sweeping through so many countries in Europe at the moment. And I, I have felt for some time that at root what has bedeviled the history of the United Kingdom's relationship with the European Union, since before we joined throughout our period of membership and continuing now, is a difference in historical experience and interpretation, particularly of the mid-20th century. That for much of Europe, for most of Europe, that period of our shared history was one in which national solidarities, national institutions, national identities failed and broke in the face of extremist and racist political doctrines of ruthless autocratic styles of government against the most pernicious 
ideologies. But for the United Kingdom, almost, not completely, but almost uniquely in Europe, that same period marked what is seen in the national mythology, in the best, the best sense of that term, as the apotheosis of uh, national solidarity, national identity, and national institutions, which enabled us to rally together as a country and withstand Nazism. And I think being able, as the CER does, and makes a core part of its mission to interpret different European countries one to another, is a vital and essential element of what is needed in the debate today. Because as Charles said, the challenges that face this continent are, I mean, are greater and graver than any I have seen in my lifetime. This morning, I went to the funeral of Peter Carrington, uh, my constituent, a great man I, uh, with uh, an unsurpassed record of public service, the last surviving member of a Churchill government, the last surviving member of Ted Heath's cabinet, Defence Secretary, Foreign Secretary, Secretary General of NATO, a man of wide and humane interests. But what we were reminded in the Bishop of Buckingham's address this morning was that for Peter Carrington, his politics were shaped by his experience of war. And we were reminded that he had taken part in three liberations in uh, the latter part of that conflict. He took part as a young tank commander in the liberation of Paris. He went on to take part in the liberation of Brussels. And third, he led the, the liberation of a very large quantity of vintage champagne that had been cached uh, by the German army. Um, he subsequently found that the, uh, the, 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 the gap beneath the engine of a tank was probably not the best cellarage in terms of keeping uh, the champagne in, in good condition. But he always said uh, that in the circumstances of wartime, you drank what was available and very palatable it proved to be. Um, but his, he was of that generation that saw the forging of greater European unity and greater European integration as an essential response to uh, the horrors of war and of the, uh, the, 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 the racial, um, ethnic, and religious conflict, the, the crimes against humanity that the aftermath of the war and the experience, let's not forget, of 1945, 46, 47 revealed. And there was a time, can I remember when I, you know, I as a very, very sort of junior political advisor, you know, uh, working with the likes of giants like John Kerr and David Hannay at the Foreign Office in the late 1980s, um, witnessed what I think was the greatest, happiest moment in international relations in my lifetime, which was the coming together of a continent broken since 1914 in the Velvet Revolutions. And I still remember 
William Walgrave coming into uh, the uh, a ministerial meeting late and apologizing Douglas, to Douglas Hurd and saying, uh, Secretary of State, I was detained because I had had a, a visit from the Romanian ambassador to protest vociferously about our decision to revoke the honorary knighthood that had been granted to Nicolae Ceausescu. <laughs> and halfway through the meeting, Secretary of State, a note was passed to me, and I opened it and read it. And I was able to say with great delight, Mr. Ambassador, I am just informed that your government has fallen. Your president has fled. I think that there is little point in continuing this meeting. <laughs> and uh, I remember going as a young member of a British observer team with other young hopefuls like Mr. Edward Llewellyn uh, to um, East Germany and East Berlin in February uh, 1990 to help monitor the first and last free elections in the German Democratic Republic. And walking through the center of the city as the old, uh, as the results were declared, uh, uh, and the Christian Democrats were going to lead a, a coalition government in East Germany. And uh, I walked with Alistair Burt, now a distinguished foreign office minister, into what is now the, uh, the Auslettigesamt and was then the headquarters of the Communist Party of uh, uh, the German Democratic Republic. And there were a couple of hundred weeping communists outside. So, so Alistair and I nudged each other. Should we go in and have a look? And we wandered, wandered into the building, wandered around a bit, came out again, and went out to the weeping communists. And Alistair sort of whispered to me in that heart, that, that voice that you hear sometimes on British election night, sort of, East Germany, conservative gain. <laughs> um, and um, and I, I remember you know, watching the... Uh, on TV, the concert in Berlin at the end of 1990 to mark unification and the Schiller's Ode being slightly altered so, so that um, people sang Freiheit rather than Freude. And I remember going as a minister in 1990, uh, in, 20, in 2010, to um, mark the 20th anniversary of German unification in Bremen. And the... The, the concert and the presentations finished with a, a concert performance of the finale of Fidelio and the freeing of the prisoners. And that just felt so right about what had been achieved. But when we look at the world now, I think the threats are real. To everything that we think about as a Europe of values uh, and a, a Europe which identifies with, supports, and to some extent embodies those ideals of human rights, uh, of the rule of law, and of democratic institutions. My old friend, my old uh, Portuguese colleague, Bruno Macias, in his um, very good, very readable book on the dawn of Eurasia, describes Europe as the Western Peninsula. And in the world that we are now moving into in the 20th century, I think there is a real risk that Europe becomes this peninsula on the end of a, re of, of, of a really important Eurasian supercontinent to which passes the economic leadership and, to some extent, political leadership. 
And I think it is therefore vital that European countries work together to recalibrate their own relationships and methods of cooperation in order to confront and surmount the challenges which now face us. And those challenges are various. We see our economies being transformed by digital technology, which is shaking up assumptions about work and the sustainability of careers in white collar and professional jobs, not just on the factory floor. And that is giving rise in part to the waves of populism driven by economic uncertainty and worry that we are seeing in so many countries. It's not the only reason, but it is one important contributory factor. We are seeing uh, a, an ongoing push of um, large-scale migration from the African continent towards Europe, which is not going to abate. I look at the demographics of Africa. Half the world's teenagers will live in Africa by mid-century. And not even the best performing economies are likely to provide all the jobs for those people. And you know, the reality is that large-scale migration poses challenges to all the established democracies about what they mean by national identity, how they strike the balance between accepting and respecting diversity, but also having expectations of people who arrive as to the degree of integration and conformity to uh, the, 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 the values and ways of life of the existing population, um, you know, what, what can be expected of that in, in, in reason. So that is another driver of political tension. And we see those political tensions not just in the UK, and those are real here. We saw them in France in the presidential election there with the votes that both uh, Ms. Le Pen and uh, Monsieur Mélenchon obtained. We're seeing it in Swedish politics at the moment. We've seen it uh, in German politics with the rise of Alternative, an Alternative which is no longer the Professor's Party. We've seen it in Italy. We've seen it in a different way in uh, Greece, uh, with the, the, the populism of the left gaining there. Um, and we're, we're seeing it in Central Europe as well. And I think that that, particularly alongside a Russia, which is more truculent and aggressive than at any time uh, since the end of the Cold War, and the United States, and this goes much deeper than President Trump, the United States that is questioning the role that it has taken in the world and the multilateral order which it has supported and led for over half a century poses a real challenge. And it seems to me that the, the, what, in terms of the United Kingdom's relationships, we need to address is how together, over the, month, the next few months, we can seek to agree a relationship between the United Kingdom and its neighbours, allies and partners, which sustains and offers the possibility to strengthen further our work together to defend our mutual economic interests, our security and foreign policy interests, and which enables us as a group of democracies to continue to assert those human values, the rule of law, the democratic institutions, the human rights, 
which we regard as the foundation of our civilization and our way of life. And I think, you know, I, I, if, I, if I dare to offer advice to colleagues, it is very similar to Charles's, which is that Europe in the future is going to need to be able to accommodate diversity to a greater extent than is the pattern at the moment. The model that suited the 1950s or 60s is simply not going to work against the politics of the 21st century. And the test is going to be, how do we marry the realities of politics with an institutional structure and a cooperative international set of relationships and institutions that strengthen rather than weaken us as we go forward in the face of these challenges and these threats that confront us all. And I think that the CER, Charles and his team here, will play a vital role in getting us to think hard about how we construct those relationships in the future. So in celebrating the CER's 20 years and its record to date, I look forward to many more prescient pamphlets and an active, lively contribution to the debate, not just in the United Kingdom, but throughout Europe. Thank you. Thank you.